Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 302, Shores Not Quite Undiscovered, Tabletop Beyond America. Presented by Pamela Punzalan, Vince Smith, and Alastor Guzman. Hello, Metatopia. We are here for Shores Not Quite Undiscovered, Tabletop Beyond America. I am your disembodied voice and hostess for today, Avenel Wing. Um, and I'm going to ask each of the panelists to introduce themselves and tell you where, we're, where they're coming to us from. Uh, let's start with Pam. Okay. Uh, hi. I think Metatopia may be sick of my face after tomorrow, but yes, I've been in the Metatopia panels. I'm Pam Ponsalan. I'm coming to you from a lovely evening in Futureland, Manila. Uh, I am a queer designer and I'm Filipino. You can find me on the Dovetailer, Twitter, itch, Patreon, everywhere. And you'll occasionally see the ghost of my partner. So, yes. Awesome. Alistair? Hi, I'm Alistair. I'm, well, I'm from Mexico. This is really early for me. Sorry about that. So yes, I'm Alastor, I'm from Mexico, and I'm also an RPG and game designer. Mainly focus on TTRPGs and, and some kind of board games. And Vince. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Vince. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, West Indian by Canadian, coming you from the progressively more frozen north. Uh, I do uh, narrative and mechanics design for uh, tabletop games and kind of deconstructing the dissonance between those two factors. And I also do the same kind of design deconstruction for video games on my Twitch channel. Awesome, I'm really glad you guys are here. Thank you for joining us. Um, I was hoping maybe, uh, Pam, if you could just in one paragraph summarize what it was that you were hoping for when you pitched this, the, or with uh, any of the three of you, uh, summarize what you were hoping for out of this conversation. What are you hoping to like teach the Metatopia audience or get them thinking about? Well, uh, I think that a lot of people have circled around this across several panels, and it even comes out in game design panels in Metatopia and otherwise. The fact that the, especially in the past two years, you have seen a lot of creators beyond America coming forward and saying, hey, I do game design. And more often than not, the question that gets thrown back at them as, where have you been all this time? When in actuality, people have been doing this for much longer than a lot of the gamers in the United States would think. So I was hoping by putting this panel together, ideally I was supposed to get more people on it. Like I had, I was thinking of getting somebody from Africa and someone from Europe and someone from the Middle East using the network that I had so that each one of us could come together on a time zone and just talk about our contexts and maybe ask some questions. The point is to start a conversation, not really provide solutions and to kind of frame it and go like, hi, we're here, we are going to stay and it would be good if you'd listen to us. I think that's what I wanted out of this panel. I'm so excited by that as kind of a goal and an agenda. 
So I would love to hear from each of you a couple of things about your local design community. Like you said, um, you've been, your communities have been making games and in these sandboxes for longer than most American audiences would guess. So let, I'd love to start with Alistair. Can you tell us a little bit about what your design scene is like and what your player scene is like? The design scene and the player scene is like very different. On the player scene side, there's we have the issue that there's not a lot of material available here. So most of the players either know Dungeons and Dragons or World of Darkness. And sometimes getting them to try games outside of those two can be really, really hard. Mainly because, yeah, if I like the game, how do, uh, am I going to get the actual core book or the actual source book? So it has been a little easier now with Amazon, but still like very expensive to get them to place things outside of those of those two two core games. On the same time, it's like the complete opposite. Like there's like a small core group that insists to make on 50 edition content or fan-made content from World of Darkness. But on the side on the design side, there's like a lot more people interested in trying new systems, creating new systems trying to express different settings or different ways that, uh, yeah, different settings or different mechanics that are kind of more close to us as Mexicans than to the other parts of the world. So right now we have like this disconnection and then I have not, this actually affects some kind of Mexican games, for example, Nahual from Miguel or even some of my own games, where is, uh, we have like a lot of interest from people from outside Mexico because for the local scene is, since RPs are not really that accessible, uh, many of the people are not interested in that. Okay, interesting. Um, uh, Vince, can you talk a little bit about the scene where you're at? Uh, well, it's interesting because um, I have to kind of define what you mean by local, uh, because in the city that I'm in, it's the design scene is basically non-existent. Um, I did pro GMing for about three or four years uh, here, and I was pretty much the only one doing it. Um, and I got a bit of a reputation for the amount of homebrew and sort of stuff that I did. Uh, but the only thing that I can really think of is um, I'm kind of close to Toronto, uh, which is kind of obviously a big hub of design, but we more know like the personalities from there and from I'm for those curious, I'm in so Southeastern Ontario. Um, and then you'll have people like uh, uh, Kiana Shaw or um, let's see uh, banana Chan on Twitter uh, and, you know, a, a number of different kind of people, but then there's always this thing where you learn about someone. And then after the fact, you're surprised that like, oh, wait, you're from Canada. And it's like, yeah, I know we don't have a, a notably non like, you know, no middle uh, Midwest accent. Uh, but we are not in fact from the United States. So there's this weird sort of um, geographical disconnect uh, to that kind of unless you already know these people and kind of go to those cons locally uh, that you don't, it's a, it's a bunch of individuals rather than a community. Um, so it's for a player base, it's predominantly white. I'm not going to lie, uh, which has made it uh, kind of speaking to what Alistair had said before has kind of made it challenging to, 
get people to not only try things different than, say, a D&D, but to modify and grow forward from some of the more problematic aspects of D&D that become very apparent to you if you're someone who is non-American or non-white or, you know, genderqueer, like any of that sort of stuff, or not able-bodied. Um, so, yeah, it's been very, very cis, very het, very white, and very scattered for both of those things. Uh, sounds like there's a bunch of challenges that we can talk about it built into that that we can come back to. Um, Pam, a couple things about your local scene. Okay, uh, again, as I usually coach this discussion, people ask me, because most people who approach me say, can you talk about RPGC? I cannot talk about RPGC. I can only talk about the Philippines. And the Philippine scene is interesting because we are very much D&D. We're D&D forever and beyond. We're D&D until we die. And after D&D, there's a rise of World of Darkness and Call of Thulu, and then a lot of Legend of the Five Rings because the Philippines, uh, the Philippine fan base is a very interesting relationship with Japanese anime and manga. So uh, our scene is also extremely um, male, and it is also conservative Catholic. And then tabletop in itself is not a, uh, a pastime of anybody who is not middle class and above. So it is a privileged hobby, it is an expensive hobby, and it's a niche hobby within a niche hobby of an even more niche niche hobby. So the people, it's it's like a whole lot, a whole Russian doll of weird issues. And um, I think that one of the most interesting things about uh, the reception that the Philippine scene has gotten so far is that people think that we are very queer, we're very loud, and we're very liberal. But in actuality, the game designers that you see online, myself included, that the loudest are a small minority and most of us do not get any recognition for what we do, mostly because uh, we are not considered relevant due to the fact that we haven't been published internationally by a big publisher like Wizards of the Coast. So it's, it's a whole weird set of, of strange and difficult tensions uh, in, the, in the RPG scene of the Philippines. I have hope that it'll get better, but uh, we, we've got some stuff going down here uh some stuff sounds like an understatement <laughs> okay so my next question and you you kind of is started to touch on it with the you're not not considered relevant because you haven't been published by one of the big uh publishing houses how does the u.s and our uh how does the u.s affect your scene and how um the how people engage with the art form and also like you personally i i feel like some of you uh have hinted to the fact that there's kind of a shadow cast by the u.s market can you talk a little bit about that pam okay uh speaking very bluntly because there are honestly no kind words for it uh you may you you live or die as a designer here if you are recognized by the american market you are not actually a relevant designer until you're recognized by somebody big uh, we have designers like Jamila Najadji. See, uh, sorry, I've spoken Tagalog for a bit, but uh, she's from Sword Game Queens. That's that is her that is their label, and they literally have published over thirty to forty games. But because those games are on itch, they are not important uh, to our general audience. We have a growing amount of support locally, especially since there have been some kids who have started streaming their games regularly and getting, curiously enough, the indie art scene. 
and the indie video game scene involved in playing tabletop games. But uh, the U.S. market shadow is large, um, and uh, there are also undertones, of course, of colonial and imperialist thinking, which I've gone on a lot about in other panels. Uh, most of us do not realize that we are colonized down to our thoughts and bodies. We think white even though we are not. And that prejudice carries into whether we are queer or not, whether we are abled or not, neurodivergent or not, uh, or uh, cisgendered or not. So uh, your, your games have to look a certain way or they're not games. And the, the most aggravating thing also beyond all of that is we do not actually have Kickstarter support. So it's a weird... Um, conundrum of you cannot be important if you don't have a Kickstarter, but we also can't start our own Kickstarter. So we have to scrabble for the limited attention that America has for us. And that ends up making us compete against each other, even though we don't want to compete. And even when we're not competing because of the way the cultures are on the internet, uh, big personalities are the only ones that come out and then you inevitably get compared to the big personality and it's this exhausting cycle of repetition. So I think that's uh, uh, when you said that we have a lot of stuff going on, that, that, that's the tip of the iceberg there on, on how America affects us. I really appreciate that you're having these conversations so that we can start to shift how the American audience is interacting with your communities. Thank you. I, I see you and I appreciate you. Alistair, can you talk a little bit uh, on the same topic about how the American market affects your scene? In this case, for example, uh, we have like the same issue. Like people do not consider you that you are making it or that you are good enough in your products unless you have something published by the in the USA, which of course limits a lot of the things because we are not native English speakers. So that also limits, in our case, the reach that we can have. Like if you want to be published in the USA, in the USA, you have to speak English, and if you want to be seen here, you also have to publish it in Spanish. So there's like a demand that you have to actually be able to publish in both languages at the same time, which is very unrealistic. Like we can publish in one and then do the translation because working on them at the same time is very very hard. On the Kickstarter side, well, we do have Kickstarter support to the region. Uh, one thing that we have found, and this is more on the client side is that people do not support Kickstarters outside of the Europe and US-Canada conundrum. So if they see that your local coin is not in the in any kind of Canadian or USD dollar or, you know, the pound or hero, people will not support you because they think it's a scam. And this has happened to a lot of uh, local creators that they try to launch their Kickstarter. Leaving aside all the Stripe fees or and PayPal fees that they are outrageous, like for our first Kickstarter, we lost around 20% just in fees instead of the usual five. So even with the Kickstarter support, you have to look for people in the US that can support you or find a way to make a USA account, which both of them require like a level of either connections or a certain amount of money and privilege to be able to do them. Because there's like a no good option if you are here and you want to do, for example, a board game or, yeah, it's just a RP is easier. And RPM people are like, yeah, well, I don't know if they will scan you or stuff like that. And even sometimes even the same banks, we had like a lot of people like the, in the USA that their banks failed when they tried to pay for the local Kickstarters because the bank considered the chairs uh, suspicious because it's not in a, in a usual, in a famous coin or a global coin. So they end up paying a lot of us through PayPal, actually. 
So yes, oh, we are very much affected by the USA, especially because Mexico is very near the USA. So we are very much affected by everything that happens there and how they actually see Mexico as a place to make business or to buy things from. That's infuriating. Anytime someone says racism isn't systemically supported, I think of things like this and go, well, okay, except that if we won't even pay creators in Mexico because their money is too weird, we need to get over ourselves some. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm frustrated on your behalf. Vince, yeah, can you talk a little bit about your scene? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think that uh, Pam and Alistair have both kind of gone over the the points of the, you know, you're invisible unless you can somehow attach yourself to a U.S.-based product. Um, I wanted to try and hit the dimension of, uh, you're talking about uh, how systemic racism is, you know, but I repeat myself, uh, racism is affected in all those sorts of things. I wanted to touch on how that affects how you're cornered as a designer as well, um, because as both Pam and Alistair have um, said, it is a specific market and you're trying to get that attention so that maybe someone there will take an interest in you but there is a very specific style of tabletop game, as Pam said, a, a niche within a niche that even sells in the U.S., specifically D&D. And there is a myriad of various different problems with that particular system that a lot of the time people who start designing start designing because they're like, huh, uh, I don't like this game that says that certain races of people are inherently less smart than other ones, but you can kill them, don't worry, it's because they're inherently evil. Generally, you're doing the world a favor, and we're like, huh, uh, I don't like that, I'm going to make my own thing. And then the U.S. tabletop market says, yeah, but we're not really interested in that thing, we're interested in the thing where we kill inherently evil minorities, and we're like... Yeah, but that's why I started designing is so that we don't have to do that. Um, be like, mm, no, too bad, not many, not many, any money. Uh, and there's this kind of myriad of ways of justifying the maintenance of that status quo, uh, such that even self-proclaimed progressive-minded individuals will kind of hunker down into it in that, you know, we will have a lot of, you know, white uh, white LGBTQ people still go, I don't see any problem with it. Um, and we'll just still kind of hunker down into that imperialism and colonialism. And that is a problem because a lot of these other countries are have a history of imperial and colonialism. So we hit that especially hard and we want to avoid that. Um, and then circling back to my original point, though, if you want to get that money to get that thing published to try and avoid that, you now have to cater to the demographic who's like, no, this specifically is what we want to play. We want to play the game where we go into sacred temples and steal their shit. Like, that's what they want. And to try and get them to not want that is very difficult. And that's kind of how we circle back around to what Pam and Alistair were both saying about these personalities. Um, you might be noticing, I, I am a loud and articulate asshole, and that is how you know me on Twitter, because I 
generally will I have that honey badger energy where I'm going after like, okay, I have a policy of not going after folks who are smaller than me, but much larger because of the fact that these are things that need to be talked about. The side effect of that is that people know me for that and not for the fact that I put up myriad design reconceptualization threads or I'm on a couple of these different projects. So pretty much no matter what you do, it starts circling back around to you're either trapped within this very specific design sphere or you as a personality get centered rather than this new movement that you are trying to help create in the community. Uh, and it's, it is a, a prison that seems to only tighten the harder that you try and resist against it. I've just been nodding along because, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Americans are terrible at nuance and you're either of us or not of us. And if you are of us, you need to be compliant. I absolutely hear and see what you're saying. And that sounds like a really complicated threat, a needle to thread. And thank you for being in that effort. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to, because we were talking about it before we went live, but uh, it really is, again, if I wanted to start the conversation, it is very important for people to recognize that I feel like I'm going to have done my job if you walk away from this panel and you realize, okay, Pam is great, but she comes from the Philippines. Who else is from the Philippines and where can I find them? And beyond that, like, don't expect me to be the one to lead you to the water. Google exists and Twitter has a great search function. Uh, if you have to, you can literally go to the people I follow and pick them out yourself. The effort is not that hard. And I think that a lot of the people who are now trying to do regional hashtags inspi inspired by us, I'm going to put that in quotes because uh, I don't want to take credit for that. I'm thankful that um, my friends who started the hashtag have inspired a movement in other countries. That's wonderful. But you are your own people. Um, so you do your thing, I'll do mine, and let's just make sure that we recognize that centers are only great if there are multiple centers. And if, if you keep to one center, then we've generally failed in what we're trying to do. That actually touches on my next question, which is that if you could get uh, the tabletop quote-unquote community, right, that complicated Venn diagram of overlapping communities to change one thing about one or two things about how they're interacting with you and your community and your designs. What would you change, Pam? Please stop centering yourselves. Uh, and um, I, it's honestly, I say, please stop centering yourselves, but I'm also saying that to myself. It is human nature to want to center yourself. And practicing that is not something that you can fix in a day, and it is always a work in progress. But that said, I have noticed in my small little voice that it seems like certain cultures do that a lot more often than others. And in my current assessment, the US tabletop scene is the one that does that a lot. And anybody who absorbs that kind of narrative, and I'm pointing actually at the Philippines, because we uh, emulate our colonial masters to a T until we be until we are aware of what we're doing. So if you recognize that there's a lot of attention on you already, um, maybe pass the buck down. Um, if you realize that your project is up there but your friends are still struggling, um, 
you know, don't like let go of the ladder because everybody has to climb, but try to like share space with somebody else so that they could do the same. And then like uh, the other thing that I that I'd like to remind everybody is um, please recognize that punching laterally is still punching. I know that a lot of people say that you you just don't you should just avoid punching down, but a lot of discourse lately has made me very unhappy in the sense that people like to punch laterally, assuming that it's okay and that they have to pass some sort of purity test in terms of being the perfect representation of something or the perfect the perfect product because they supposedly have all the privilege. Um, that is categorically false. So stop learn to stop centering yourself. Also learn to recognize that there are people around you and learn that punching laterally is still punching. So that would be my end. As three talking points, I think those are really solid things for people to take away and think about. Thank you. Alistair, how about you? I I got lost a little with, uh, with Pam's answer. What was the original question? Because it, it, it kind of extended itself. <laughs> uh, the question was, if you could uh, encourage the tabletop market and the overlapping Venn diagram of communities mm -hmm. to change one thing about how it engages both with your scene and with yourself, what would those things be? I think like the main thing I will expect them to change is not expect the same kind of products always, because there's like a, this huge, that if you're from Mexico, you have to do either Mesoamerican settings or this kind of, uh, yeah, of this kind of modern kind of settings with corruption and narcos and all of that stuff. And people are like, no, I don't want to do that. There's like a lot more, even in the local mythology, I can do like modern style. Uh, there's like a type of setting that I do not like the translation in English because it's colonial and that has that's a very loaded word. But like the period when it was like this um, intermixing with Spain and native cultures here because it was way different than in other parts of the world. And like there's like many other kinds of settings that we can develop and that we can approach that we can offer. And people are always expecting the same. And it's like, Oh, it's not like uh, bestial Mesoamerican Mayan and Aztecs. We don't want that. It's like there's a lot of more kind of products that you can get from us. And just, so please be more open to the offers. I think that will be like my main takeaway for people about what which kind of product they're expecting from us. Yeah, I think that will be my main takeaway. Like, don't, don't expect it just to play to the stereotype and play to what you are expecting from our games when there's like a lot more that we can do. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you. Vince, do you, uh, things that you would change about the scene? Um, I think that, uh, Alistair, I was just kind of like doing, I was trying to hide my game face. You, you took my answer. I was, <laughs> I, was <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I, I was going to say, um, there's this thing about like, even though people are talking about like being inclusive and having these other voices. So, in high school, I used to sing in a choir. And the thing about that is that if you sing with a different quality of your voice, then you are pressured into making sure that you are in harmony with everyone else. The problem being that a lot of the time in creativity and in the tabletop community, the force that adheres all of those into a specific design aesthetic and a specific style of teamwork and everything is that colonialist uh, racist ideology. So even when people are saying, you know, hire, hire people from these places, include them in your project, we'll get hired onto projects and then get told, no, 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 this is specifically the way that you're supposed to do this. So 
they will get kind of the the positive reputation or clout for including people, but then our voices go away or our cultures go away or all of these different things. And that's kind of what Alistair was touching on is it's just like, if you really want to say that you're supporting creatives like this, you have to not only be willing, but to acknowledge the fact that most of the time, a lot of y'all don't know shit about these countries that you're trying to say like, no, 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 I understand. Please come be a part of my project or we want to hear from you, but only this very specific slice of the pie of this demographic that you're a part of. It's that thing of like, no, tell me your story. I want to know about what your experience of these things are and how you approach these different things. And um, a big thing is putting those marginalized voices into positions where they can make decisions. Cause the whole like, Oh, look, uh, hi, I I'm white CEO. I'm going to take you to the room where we keep all of the Brown people who work on our project. And like the shit doesn't fly. So there's this whole thing of giving people the power to change that narrative and recognizing the barriers that might keep them from doing that. Things like time zones, because this, this panel was originally a while back, but because a lot of us are in different places, that was a big challenge. Um, things like lack of resources like Kickstarter, things like xenophobia towards currency? What? Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, is actively working to break down those barriers in your institutional expectations and in the structure of your corporation in order to change that structure. Because it's that sort of thing where if you don't get told that this is not the way that we do it all over the world, a lot of places will assume that that structure is just like inherent to everything and quote normal but it's a structure that keeps a lot of voices silent and keeps a lot of people out so uh you know the tldr of uh the answer to your question there is recognize that america is not the default and needs to actively work to change certain structures that keep it a a specific shape that keeps people out and keeps people silent. If you want to have these stories and claim to be progressive and supportive and equitable. That's really powerful. Thank you. Um, the empowerment versus representation conversation is one that we, we uh, tiptoe around, right? And there are some people who are having that conversation in the American uh, market but it is an uphill climb, right? Put someone in charge that is somewhere else. Deal with the fact that you're going to screw up time zones and be humble when you screw them up. Uh, yeah, that's from, all hard. Oh, Pam, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, what Vince was talking about empowerment. I do want to go back to a slightly more positive but no less punchy note that I literally would not be here had it not been for people taking a chance on me. Last year, people did not know who I was, and I did hear stories. I will not mention names uh, because I know that they don't want. They might get uncomfortable with this, even though they're very nice people. Um, I was told by a few that um, Pam, you looked really amazing, and I decided that I was going to support you. And apparently, when they made that decision, many of their own network was saying, "But 
you don't know her from Eve. She could be a scammer. She could just be some hungry girl in the Philippines, uh, like trying to get your money, right? And for hungry that girls person- from the Philippines who want money can't possibly be game designers. How dare you need to eat? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's, I'm so glad that you pointed that out, that, that we made a, a joke out of it, because I have been told to my face that uh, I'm selling out by deciding to go into the industry. Uh, so it's it's a whole mix. It People took a shot and made the leap of faith for me to be here. And um, that is how game design has changed my life. I can have money to get what I want and to actually support myself now because somebody decided to fight against the system and put me on the map. And if you, uh, the thing is, we cannot rest at just one success story. I am not perfect. And I'm sure that I will miss many marks in my career. So to prevent that, or at least mitigate that, please bring in more people and please have more faith that when they ask for help and they say that they are doing something in their sphere, believe them. Because you could change their lives and you could make them decide game design isn't so bad. So maybe we should do the same for other people. Absolutely. Vince, you had a strong reaction to some part of that. Did you have something you wanted to put in? Just the like hungry girl from the Philippines. Just oh, ooh, the the I got mm, I got heated. I got uh, I got mad at that because it's just like no no no. We we can trust Asian people from our country, but you know if it's from outside, mm, mm, that just it made me mad. Uh, this this whole idea that like it's. It's a xenophobia that people don't even get that they have because they will just they'll just say it. They'll just show their ass full on pressed ham on that sort of uh, statement and believe that they are just being reasonably cautious when they could get the same offer if they're in like New York and someone else is in Colorado and they're like, yeah, it seems legit. But no, if someone's from the Philippines, they got to be some some hungry, you know, some Nigerian prince who wants to offer you money as it's just like, we're not going to unpack that. We're not going to. No. OK, cool. Cool, 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 Yeah. The D&D module that I'm about to play that they wrote, notwithstanding, right? I've been scammed despite the fact that I have this module in my hand that we're about to play. Precisely. It's just. Alistair, did you have something you wanted to jump in with? No, I, I think Vince pointed out the same the issues I had with what Pam said. Like I had like the same issues. Like, yeah, where are we going to support this hungry girl from the Philippines? And it's like, why would you say that? That's that's not how this works. We'd be less hungry if you give us support, motherfucker. Like, yeah, exactly. and, like that's why people end up swearing on panels like this. Like it is literally an act of God that I have not sworn much on this panel. Given how emotional it is for me, I'm trying very hard. But like, <laughs> um, it's just like, and that's me. And I will toot my own horn for a second. When I did my fundraiser for BBC, I wrote down every possible achievement. I ran it through a friend who has been through several professions and makes a business out of fundraising. Hey, friend, can you tell me whether this will sell? And he was like, okay, you have to look like you're important. And the very fact that I have to look like I'm important and that I have to present myself a certain way to get people to notice me is a problem. The fact that I have to wear makeup like this so that I'm recognizable is a problem. 
So it's what more if there are people who do not have my frankly privileged face where I'm femme presenting and I look I look attractive. What more if you don't fit that bill, but you're actually you act, you're actually more qualified than me. It, will that become a, a missing stare for you? It's it's heartbreaking to think about, and um, I frankly haven't gone a month in game design so far where I haven't had somebody local tell me why am I doing this? It's so hard to face all of that shit. Oh, uh, there I swear, I swear, I, I couldn't help myself. But yeah, th- there you go. It's just so difficult. It sounds it. And don't worry about the swearing. I'm a New Yorker. It's a punctuation mark. You're fine. <laughs> and I mean, I actually, to kind of touch on that, because I know Pam and I specifically have had this conversation in our spaces before, but um, for me to switch gears away from my potty mouth no-no lips uh, away from to, to something maybe a bit more um, uh, professional and kind of that's, that's maybe a problem is that... Um, I I do express this anger out of the fact that it's stuff that needs to be said, but I am more than aware of the fact that I have given up a lot of opportunities because of the fact that I choose to speak the way that I do because the people in charge are not the people whom I am trying to uh, impress not even impress, but like, well, not interested in impressing them, but whom I'm trying to support. But I am, like I said, I'm I'm West Indian, but I can pass white. Uh, a lot of people don't have that ability. So a lot of people can't be as, as out and as forward and as shouty as I am without giving up a lot more. Uh, and the fact that individuals have to force that anger down in order to be palatable for the people who can maybe give them a chance, not even a guarantee, but a chance to make a living for themselves is a problem. Like respectability politics in general is a real problem. And even beyond that, if you decide to, you know, cater to people so that you can be more acceptable and not you know scare people off or what have you if you're in another country and you can't go to cons and you don't decide to be shouty or knifey um people just forget that you exist so it's a catch-22 you either get shouty and knifey in order to be like, yeah, I'm here. I'm still making projects and everything. And y'all keep forgetting about us and it's starting to piss me off. Or you can try and sequester that part of yourself to look professional. And they're like, well, where's all your projects? I haven't seen it. You haven't been posting about it on, on the timeline. It's like, yeah, man, it's because I've been designing. You, you you want me to be quiet you want me to design you want me to make good product but you know just completely that colonial lack of object permanence is is a thing <laughs> and i don't think that folks realize when it comes up that it is oh it absolutely yeah. is i think this touches an important topic here the ability to attend to cons yeah it's something that really affects a lot of designers from outside the us because not only for the experience and everything, but just to be able to talk to people uh, in the industry so that you can get like any freelance gigs or because you can be like very active on Twitter, but 
many people need like to actually know you physically to know that they can interact with you. Fortunately, and to know I that you're not a scammer that's going to take their money <laughs> and I don't know feed yourself. Exactly. But the issue is that, for example, traveling to the U.S. for cons requires a certain amount of privilege. For example, in the case of visas, yeah, because it's not as easy to get a visa to travel. And obviously the money, especially for people that are not near the U.S. because they have to like travel through a full ocean. I'm talking to Pam here, basically, yeah. and all the RPGC community. So yeah. that also paid the, the payment of the entrance. Like, for example, last year at Metatopia, we tried to bring like more Mexicans and it was actually like, it was a good experiment. We actually managed to do it, but it was still like very expensive because a lot of the people that we wanted to bring was like, yeah, but they rejected my visa because they considered this to be work. Like, yeah, but it's like a convention. You're not going to work there. It's just like four days. So that thing that also separates and discriminates against a lot of creators that don't have that ability to attend to cons, to do that kind of networking. So yeah, I, I just wanted to extend a little more on that and how that affects us. Absolutely. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you also brought it up because I forgot to mention that uh, one of the main reasons why getting to BBC last year was easy for me, easy, was because I have a Canadian passport. My family did migrate when I was a child and they managed to win citizenship for me. Now, if I had been any other designer from the Philippines, that means that they'd have to have, I think, at least a hundred to two hundred thousand pesos in their bank account. Uh, I, I'll do the math some other time, but that's basically a hill ton of money. And then they have to prove that they are not a scammer, basically. And what's worse about the scamming part is specifically if you're female, you have to prove that you are not a a domestic worker or b somebody looking out for a husband. Um, or how see do you even, somebody. How do you even <laughs> prove that? Exactly. Uh, I I will I will talk very briefly about um, an incident that happened an incident that happened to a Filipina game designer. She was invited to speak at a convention. It would have made history for video games, but basically she was told that she cannot enter the country because they were they suspected that she was going to go there and disappear to find a husband. That is so insulting. I am so sorry. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's tough. It, it's the money is not just the issue it's everything um it's just a lot <laughs> I, all right I was, i'm gonna oh go, sorry, ahead. go ahead oh i so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to think about a thing while vince makes his point and then i'll come back around and ask my thing i would like you i would like to ask for you to do me a favor and assign us homework uh tell us two designers or two resources that you want the American audience to go make themselves familiar with, ways that you want them to challenge themselves this week. And I will actually hold a conversation on Twitter asking them how they've engaged, what they've picked up, did they read the designer's work? So I'm gonna give the mic back to Vince while you guys think about that. But I, if you don't mind, I would love for you to give us homework. All right, Vince. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that, um... Even if you try to overcome, and this this applies more to uh, people who are outside of the U.S. and Canada, though you know what? There's that's that's even kind of colonialist thinking of me because there's plenty of uh, you know black folks and East Asian folks and South Asian folks and everyone in Canada as well. But if you decide to try and overcome the geographic restrictions and make it to the U.S. for a con. 
I don't know if y'all have been paying attention to the news recently. Uh, it's not super friendly to people who don't look white in the U.S. right now or who are from certain countries. And if you try and go through a certain airport, uh, you might end up uh, not getting there and not getting home. There was uh, a, a Latinx designer who, who works on... Um, uh, I Hunt, uh, which is the uh, a really good RPG by Olivia Hill, who uh, Francita, I, I hope that I'm pronouncing your name correctly, um, came through to come and visit, her, come and visit their friend, and um, ended up being detained in Latin in in LAX for a time, and there was a whole Twitter campaign to get her. Um, uh, legal representation so that not just she could get into the US but that she could get home it's and it's that whole thing of like okay even if I can overcome this what's the risk that I am literally going to either catch a deadly disease or um, be imprisoned possibly for life um for the audacity of trying to get into a country while not looking white. And it's, once again, that thing of even if you can, quote, overcome it, it will still become this thing of like, all right, so how badly do you want it? Do you want it badly enough to jeopardize your own safety by existing in this particular space? Um yeah, that domestic worker thing is wild, Pam. I, I, I'm just like, it's just like, uh, ma'am, do you have any undeclared brooms or anything that you have not? It's just like, what? What? It's just like, I'm sorry, we have over the, the appropriate size of lemon pledge in this bag, and therefore we're going to have to debate. What is the logic around that? Ah, my goodness. They might come and steal jobs that Americans don't want to do. Yeah. That's the logic. That's yeah. that is the. Yep. That's <laughs> the logic. Um, Alistair, do you have homework for us? Yeah, I think if I had, if I could pinpoint to two designers, I think one of them will be to check the work of Duan Figueroa. He's like a very good uh, Argentinian designer, and he also does a, a lot of art. So he has been trying like to balance the idea of making games and also making a lot of art. And okay. for the for the other, I will mainly try to look for games from. Uh, this is not going to be focused on Latin American designers. Look for games from designers from outside the U.S. and Europe that do not appeal to your stereotypes or what you expect from us. So, for example, maybe look for a fantasy, yeah, for a fantasy game system, just like a crunchy system from someone from the Philippines, someone from India. So you just don't expect them to do. Yeah, I just want their local version of setting. Just see what 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 else they are doing with that. You know what? It's really interesting. There, someone made a comment about the fact that when you translate into another language, you have to adapt for how that culture interprets things, like hit points. And so, one of the things that I'm adding to Alistair's homework for our listeners is when you look at those uh, non-US uh, game systems actually look at what the differences are and try to understand what you're seeing and contextualize them. And if you don't understand the context, ask Twitter, ask it politely, but ask someone will jump in and help you contextualize it. Um, Pam, homework. Well, for one, um, 
look beyond me. Yes, you can support me. That'd be wonderful. I will deeply appreciate it. I will not be so indebted to you, but I will appreciate it very much. Uh, but look beyond me. Uh, check the hashtag RPGC out on Twitter because people are using it more and more. And you will not only meet people from the local side of Southeast Asia, but you will meet diasporic creators who have been welcomed with open arms into the hashtag. They are loud and proud and they're very happy, it seems, that somebody created the hashtag in the first place. So look beyond me check the hashtag and then third and this one is a bit of a difficult ask include us in your projects in a much more structural fashion don't just hire us as the token rpgc girl or the token uh filipino creator that might bring something cool to your project if you can sponsor a kickstarter for somebody do so i can count off the top of my head 10 to 15 creators from the philippines alone that could benefit from a kickstarter if you're willing to take those risks that would be wonderful if you're not in the position to take those risks, reach out and collab. Many of them will be very willing to help you out. And when I say collaboration, give them a strong direction and a say. Don't just give them the, we're tossing money at you, therefore be happy. Like, listen to what they have to say. Give them something. And when they tell you that they want to do a thing their way, like, remove the caucasity and just say yes <laughs> let them do their thing okay because if you just trust them it'd be great okay and vince uh okay so two designers um let's see here first and foremost i'm gonna give some uh love to my fellow fellow uh trinidad um friend here uh brandon o'brien the rising tides uh does a lot of really cool work uh specifically surrounding Trinidad folklore, music. Uh, he's uh, a beautiful, beautiful poet. Uh, and yeah, they, they've done a whole lot of work uh, on Itch.io, uh, Patreon, PayPal, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so at The Rising Tithes uh, is their, um, their Twitter handle. Uh, so they're, they're one person. Uh, another one whom I'm sure everyone here um, has probably encountered in one way or another is uh Amr uh or at Amaraz uh on Twitter. Uh they are one of the best communicators of um math concepts and probability uh in terms of making something accessible and understandable. Um she is from Egypt. Uh I believe is still planning on trying to 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 move to a more local area which you know speaks to everything we've been speaking about uh but uh they they've worked on a number of different projects uh a lot of if you're someone who likes combat which is legit um she's put together a lot of really interesting things using grid combat for instance that if you really want to use that absolutely go to uh back her project um yeah Amr Amr is awesome uh, so that's at Amaraz. So that's A M M O U R A Z Z on Twitter. Um, as for something kind of systemic and changing the way that you do projects, um, pretty much what uh, what Pam had been saying in terms of um, don't just hire um marginalized voices and non-white voices and non-us voices as your cultural consultants don't just hire us to make sure you don't accidentally do a racism um just actually putting us there from the beginning we're 
don't put us as part of you know the the lacquer or the paint on your project don't even put us as the foundation put us as part of the architects uh and in particular more than one person this is a pitfall that i see a lot of u.s projects fall into which is having a team full of white folks and one person or two people because i gotta tell you what happens is that someone will like that marginalized or non-white person will bring something up and then the rest of the team will be like ah, i understand and i see you but uh we just decided that we don't really think that that's much of an issue and they get overruled and this is kind of the the problem with that of just that sort of they're present but they're not empowered is having people who can from a variety of these different perspectives in an abundance on a team enables them to speak more openly and more honestly because they have that power to make sure that they're not just going to get completely ignored because what we don't want is to be hired onto teams specifically to be told like, mm, yep, I, it's, it's all, it's all good there, boss. It's, it's totally fine. And then when people from say other marginalizations come out and be like, yeah, this is an issue. Uh, have the person who's the head of the project go, we hired some people and they said it was okay. So I'm just going to hold them in front of me as a shield yeah. And say like mm, no, you you can't. I'm gonna invoke my playground grade five. No, I put up a force field of minorities, and therefore <laughs> everything is fine. Um, it is of abundance and paramount importance to have power on those teams, and presence does not necessarily translate into power. You need a multitude of voices, or so that those those uh, white or U.S. voices are not the predominant ones on a team. I will say that it, um, as a very white woman with a fair amount of privilege in a position of visibility, I've had to work really hard. And people who are listening, it's not easy. But giving people who are mar more marginalized than you are, whatever you think your intersection is that sucks, um, past the ability to tell you to sit down and shut up, to people around you that aren't like you. And uh, it, it makes a difference. When we started talking about Metatopia this year, I actually had completely not considered time zones. And Camden Wright, who works with the IGDN on their diversity team, uh, just, we were in a call and he just gave me stony silence and raised an eyebrow and I went, oh, fuck. All right, I'm gonna back up. Yep, I'm just gonna sit in my corner and we'll fix this. You're right. And he's like, I didn't even say anything, right? But it took, it's taken years of practice for me to be able to hear that silence and go, oh, fuck, I just screwed that up. Let me back up, hold on. And it's my job to sit still, have my feelings off screen and say, nope, you're in charge of this. You tell me when I need to sit down and shut up. And so that's, yeah. that's important. It's, I think it's also important. I forgot a uh, last thing. Like, this is general homework for everybody, again, including myself and everybody on the panel. We must recognize our own damage and trauma. We often do not have the words to express why something is wrong. We just have the anger or the upset or both.
and that takes a lot of practice, a lot of emotional labor, and a lot of time and a lot of mistakes. So yes. we have to be more kind and patient to each other. But again, kindness, empathy, and patience, if it is not coached in some sort of principle and given proper intent, will just fuck everybody up. So like here, little here. steps, right? Little steps, but nuanced steps. And we'll get somewhere. We might not get somewhere for everybody, but it's a step. So, yeah. All right. We are at five minutes out. So what I would love is for each of you to tell people where they can find you online and more importantly, where they can buy your shit and give you money. <laughs> so let's start with Pam. Okay. Uh, hi again. I'm Pam Ponsalan, also known as Pamu. I am the Dovetailer on Twitter. So that is the Dovetailer, one word. I am also the Dovetailer on Itch and on Patreon. Uh, I do take commissions, but if you have a new project for me, you may have to wait till January because I am thankfully uh, full up on commissions right now. But uh, you can also do me a favor by supporting me on Patreon because I am a full-time game, game designer and uh, Patreon is literally the only main source of income that I have right now. So uh, find me the Dovetailer, Itch, Patreon. I even have a website and on Twitter. Uh, Alistair. So I'm Alastor GV on Twitter, A at A A L A S T O R G V. And in the case of Patreon, uh, it's Access Stories because it's like my uh, cooperative that I have with a lot, uh, with other Mexican people here. So it's A X O Stories. Yeah, just just like that. I would really appreciate the support on Patreon or on Drive Through on the different products that we have already released. We have like different, uh, mostly 5 e content. And we also like working on new projects and we have them, most of them on early release on drive-thru. Great. Thank you, Alistair. Vince? Uh, hi, once again, I am Vince Smith. Uh, I am on Twitter at Dichotomous Prime. That's D-I-C-H-O-T-O-M-U-S-P-R-I-M-E. Um, I am currently, I, I do have uh, Kofi, Patreon, and PayPal as my, my pinned tweet up there. But primarily what kind of I'm, I'm looking for, because I am thankfully uh, full up on work right now as well, is that I do stream Mondays and Fridays, 5.30 to 8 on Twitch. I am a Twitch affiliate. Um, and I uh, it's the same thing, twitch.tv slash Dichotomous Prime. Uh, I do a number of different types of games, but I do try and dig into um, design elements, visual choices, all the different things that I design um, in tabletop games. I also try and look at how they uh, take a look at in different video games. Right now we're playing Ori in the Blind Forest, which is super fun. Uh, and also looking at the effects of certain narratives of colonialism and certain assumptions based off of kind of the composition of uh, design teams. So yeah, subscribe to me on there uh, and come check it out and maybe we'll talk and learn something. That's amazing. You've all been wonderful. Thank you so very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for having us.